0: Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible, and I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, Bible truth learners. Today is December 6th. Yes, and the reason I am giving you today's date is because yesterday was December the 5th. And I promised after episode five, we would complete episode six. Yes, today we will complete episode six, which consists of chapters 24 through 27. Yes. And next Saturday, we will complete this entire series of 1 Samuel. Mm -hmm. Now, I hope today finds you and your family well. Yes. Uh, under the the current circumstances, I hope today finds you well. Now, I don't want to linger too much on an introduction, so let's get right into it. I will continue to use the NASB. I switched to the NASB yesterday for episode five. I will continue using the NASB today and possibly next Saturday to close out the series. So I hope You are in 1 Samuel chapter 24, and I will begin reading at verse 1. Now, you can always pause the tape to catch up, so I don't have to wait for you guys, okay? Verse 1. Now, when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Indergy. Now, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, Saul is pursuing King David to kill him after the prophet Samuel told Saul that God was removing him as king and rejecting, rejecting him as king and replacing him with David, Jesse's son. And Saul became enraged and he set on a mission to kill King David, even though a person's arms are too short to box with God because his fight is against God, not David. David had not done saw anything. So if you want to catch up, I suggest that you go to my podcast and look for episode one and listen to episode one all the way through episode five. And then, uh, today, episode six, and, um, we will conclude next Saturday. So, um, with that said, let me start with verse one again. Now, when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told saying, behold, David is in the wilderness of Injidee. Verse two, then Saul took 3000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. Now Saul chose 3000 skilled men. They were the most skilled soldiers in Israel at that time. Um, verse three, he came to the sheepfold that he is Saul on the way where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. He went to use the restroom. I don't really have to break that down to you. huh? Now, David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. So Saul ended up going to the very cave that, that David King David and his soldiers were in verse four. Now pay close attention to, um, verse four. The men of David said to him, behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly while Saul was relieving himself. He didn't know David was in the cave with him and David cut off the bottom of his robe, Saul's robe, so that when he finally confronts Saul at another time, he was, he's going to let Saul know that he could have killed him. So what you hear David's soldiers telling him is that, look, uh, this is your opportunity and God is okay with it. And I'm here to tell you, there is a such thing as justifiable homicide. God would not have been angry with David had he killed Saul, but we are getting ready to read just how good David's heart is. Okay. Verse five, it came about afterward that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. David still had a great amount of respect for Saul. Okay. Because Saul was the first king of Israel, Even though God uh, removed him as king, rejected him as king, removed his spirit, his anointing from um, Saul, David still, you have to remember, David don't know all of that about Saul. He just know that Saul being king, he was anointed of God. Okay, verse six. So he said to his men, far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, my Lord with a lowercase l, meaning someone in authority. That's how Um, Israel and the people um, referred to leaders in authority back then. They called them Lord because they were someone in authority. Okay, the Lord's anointed, meaning the Lord's, uh, the God of Israel, the God who created the heavens and the earth and the air that we breathe today. Uh, David is saying the Lord's anointed referring to Saul as being anointed to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. David just, and remember, David was very young, very young. He just didn't want to harm Saul. It wasn't in his heart to do it, even though he knew Saul was trying to kill him because he, David and his men have been running from Saul for a long time. Verse seven, David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul because his men wanted to kill Saul. Um, And Saul arose, left the cave and went on his way. Saul had no clue David and his men was in that cave and could have killed him. He had no clue. Uh, Verse eight. Now afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul. Mm hmm saying, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. Verse nine, David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men saying, behold, David seeks to harm you. Now, this is how naive David is. No man was telling Saul that David was trying to harm him. Saul just wants to kill David because David was chosen to be the next King of Israel and Saul didn't want to give up his power. That's what this is all about. But David is thinking that people are telling Saul, uh, some things that's causing Saul to come after him. That's not the case at all. If you've been following the series and we are reading, uh, word upon word and precept upon precept, uh, so that you can learn Bible truth about how Saul was the first king of Israel, then David was his successor and Saul didn't want to give up that power. Okay. Verse 10, behold, this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord had given you today into my hand in the cave. So David is telling Saul, look, I could have taken your life, but I chose not to. And some, and some said to kill you, but my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord for he is the Lord's anointed Uh, verse 11. Now, my father, see, indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand. So he's showing Saul proof that he had the opportunity to kill him. Um, Verse 11 again. Now, my father, this is uh, what David is calling Saul. Now he's calling him father because uh, Saul in the past, when he initially liked David, Um, he didn't know David was going to be his successor. He would refer to David as his son. So David is saying, now my father, uh, see indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand for in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands. And I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. So did you hear what David just told Saul? In other words, he just let Saul know I'm not evil like you. I'm not just going to kill someone, even though he just said in a few verses prior to this one that he had an opportunity to kill him. Even his, his soldiers was telling him that, yes, you need to just go ahead on and kill him. That way he won't have to keep running from Saul. But that wasn't in David's heart. That was not his character. When David fought, he fought armies. He fought for a reason to protect Israel. But for some reason, I don't know why David refused to kill Saul because I would have supported him. Yeah. It's a such thing as justifiable homicide, folks. Um, verse 12, may the Lord judge between you and me, this is David talking and may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. What David is saying, I'm not going to be the one to end your life. Let God be the judge, but God is actually going to tell David it's okay because Saul was relentless in trying to kill David and Saul is a liar. Okay, so I want you all to to, uh, listen closely now. Verse 13, as the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. David was saying, I'm not wicked, so I'm not going to just kill you. The the king, my king, the anointed of God, I'm not going to kill you. Verse 14 after whom has the king of Israel come out whom are you pursuing a dead dog a single flea now this let me clarify this david hereby expresses his lowliness and entire committal of his cause to god who alone is the judge and to whom alone uh uh, uh exact revenge on people now david is very young. So he really don't know that much about God. He just had a good heart and he listened to God when Samuel introduced him to God. Cause Samuel was the prophet at the time, um, whom God told, this is who I want to be the next King. And so David right here, verse 14, let me read verse 14 again. After whom has the King of Israel come out? So David is saying, you chasing me. Whom are you pursuing? A a dead dog, a single flea. What David is saying is your pursuit of me is in vain because you are not going to catch me. That is what David is telling him. Verse 15, the Lord, therefore be judge and decide between you and me. And may he see and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. And God consistently delivered, um, David from the hands of Saul, God wasn't going to let David, I mean, Saul killed David and he had chosen David to be King of Israel. No. uh, uh. So David, um, was running from Saul and Saul was fleeing him in vain because he was never going to catch him. Uh, verse 16, when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice? My son, David, now here go, uh, acting. Saul could have won an Academy award back then. Then Saul lifted up his voice and wept fake tears here. Verse 17, he said to David, you are more righteous than I. That is the truth for you have dealt well with me while I have dealt wickedly with you. Now, it is not uncommon for Saul to have appeared to be uh, repenting because he said almost the exact same thing verbatim to his son, Jonathan, who is a very good friend of David. About he wasn't going to try to pursue David to kill him anymore and he understand and he know God chose David to be king. No, Saul is full of it. Uh, Verse 18. You have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand and yet you did not kill me. Verse 19. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safely? May the Lord therefore reward you with good in return for what you have done to me this day. Now this Saul evil heart talking to David and didn't mean anything. He just said, you guys are going to see verse 20. Now behold, I know that you will surely be king. This is Saul admitting that he know David is going to be king. Saul had no fear of God at all. None. Do you hear me? Absolutely none. None. Um, verse 20 again. Now, behold, I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Verse 21. So now, swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's household. That's all Saul was worried about. Uh huh. That's all he was worried about. He was worried about his namesake. Uh, amongst the Israelites, that he will be held in high esteem. Verse twenty-two. David swore to Saul. That's how nice David was. Okay. David swore to Saul, and Saul went to his home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. They kept hiding because they David, although he respected Saul, he didn't believe nothing Saul said. Uh huh. Because your actions speak volumes. He knows Saul all been pursuing him and already made this statement before. So uh, now we have reached chapter 25 and I will begin reading at verse one. Then Samuel died. I forgot to tell y'all the prophet Samuel, the great prophet Samuel died. Uh, Samuel was old. Samuel was the last judge of Israel. Okay. Now they have no more priest and they have no more prophets. Not the prophet. Uh, Samuel was Hannah's son, if y'all can recall, when we started uh, this series in episode one. Hannah, who was a praying woman. We all can learn from Hannah how to pray and get your prayers answered. When God gave uh, Hannah, who was bearing a son after she prayed desperately to the Lord that she may have a son, Hannah promised to dedicate her child, her son, if God gave her a son. To the Lord. And she did. She turned Samuel over to Eli, who was the last high priest of Israel from the Levitical priesthood at the age of three. And Samuel had been with the Lord ever since. So Samuel died and all Israel gathered together and mourned for him. I was mourning when I read, (laughs) when I was studying this, because I really liked Samuel and buried him at his house in Ramah. Verse two, now there was a man in Maon, whose business was in Carmel and the man was very rich and he had three thousand sheep and a thousand goats. And it came about while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Uh, verse three, now the man's name was Nebal and his wife's name was Abigail. And the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a Calebite. Now, um, let let me explain to you what the name Nabal means. It means fool. Okay, F-O-O-L, it means fool. An appropriate name in view of his foolish behavior. Now, Abigail means my father is joy was the wife of Nabal, who was intelligent and beautiful in contrast to her evil husband. Makes you wonder why she was with him. But back then, in those days, women didn't have a choice. You know, their fathers gave them in marriage. um, Basically, they were being chosen like meat. You know, hey, I want her. I want to have her. And the fathers, as long as they agreed with it, uh, would turn their, their daughters over to these men. Now, Nabal was very wealthy. You know, she she was very nice. She was intelligent. She wasn't a fool, you know, total opposite of her husband. Now, Nabal was a, a descendant of Caleb, okay, and lived in Caleb's tribal holdings. You can read about that in Joshua, you know, chapter 14, verse 13 and chapter 15, verse 13, if I'm not mistaken, but did not possess the spiritual qualities of his illustrious forefather. No, he did not. Nabal was evil. I mean, mean and hateful, and it's going to backfire on him. Uh, Verse four, that David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. Now, this is just the way the writing is. It, it may sound confusing, but this is how it's written in in the NASB. I can read verse let me read verse um, two over again, on into verse four, and I don't know why it's written like this, but you know I'm trying to explain it to you as best I can. Uh, verse two. Now, there was a man in Maom whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. And he had three thousand sheep and and a thousand goats, and it came about while he was shearing his sheep in Carmel, and then verse three says, "Now the man's name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail, and the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a calabite verse four that David heard in the wilderness. Now this is coming from, and it came to pass uh, that David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep verse five. So David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, visit Nabal and greet him in my name. Cause everyone knew who David was. Everyone in the land knew, knew that David was the next King. Okay. Verse six, Um, and we got to connect verse six to verse five. Again, let me read verse five and then go on into verse six. Okay. So David sent 10 young men and David said to the young men, go up to Camel, visit Nabal and greet him in my name. Verse six. And thus you shall say, have a long life. Peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace be to all that you have. Verse seven. Now I have heard that you have shearers. Now your shepherds, have been with us and we have not insulted them nor have they missed anything all the days they were in Carmel. So what David is sending his, his men to tell Nabel is that they had an opportunity to, you know, attack his shepherds and steal some sheep or what have you, but they chose not to, they literally protected them from other outsiders. Okay. Um, Verse seven, again, now I have heard that you have shearers. This is David telling his men what to say to Nabal. Now your shepherds have been with us and we have not insulted them, nor have they missed anything all the days they were in Carmel. Verse eight, ask your young men and, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a festive day. Please give whatever you find at hand to your servants and to your son, David. So David was referring to um, him and his men as being servants of Nabal um, and that he was really asking for a handout Um, and a festive day. It's a special day of rejoicing over the abundance of sheared wool from the sheep. That that is what a festive day is. But David is, is telling them to say, you know, to tell Nabal that we haven't done your, your people any harm. Um, can you give us something really? He wanted food. Um, verse nine, when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in David's name. Then they waited. They told Nabal everything David said and verse 10, this is the evil heart of Nabal here. But Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? Now, they hadn't even mentioned Jesse, so he knew who David was. He was being smart. Yeah, who is David? Yeah, who is Jesse? To me, anyway. There are many servants today who are, who are each breaking away from his master. Verse 11. Shall I then take my bread? So what he was saying is if, you know, he had lost any of his servants, so what? Big deal. Verse 11. So shall I then take my bread and my water and and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men whose origin I do not know? Meaning he was not a part of their uh, nation. OK, because David was on the run. He was going to other nations outside and other cities outside of Israel on um, verse 12. So David's young men retraced their way and went back. And they came and told him according to all these words, verse 13, David said to his men, each of you gird on his sword. Now this is where you are getting ready to see David jump in the flesh. He was being nice, but you have to remember David is just a man. Okay. I mentioned before David is, he was not a prophet. He was not a priest. David was chosen king and in first Samuel chapter eight, when the when Israelites asked Samuel for a king, God gave them Saul who turned out to be the worst thing ever, but, um, they wanted a king like other nations to lead them in war. So that's basically what David was chosen, uh, to be king for, to lead them in battle. And so far he has won all the battles that he encountered for Israel. Okay. So uh, David, he hit a cord when his men brought back that report here. Y'all about to see David jump in the flesh. Now listen, verse 12. So David's young men retraced their way and went back and they came and told him according to all these words. Verse 13, David said to his men, each of you gird on his sword. So each man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword and about 400 men went up behind David, while 200 stayed with the baggage. Verse 14, but one of the young men told Abigail, this is Nabal's wife, who was very intelligent and very nice. She was contrast to her husband. Nabal's wife saying, behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them, saying Nabal told them off. Okay, he wasn't nice to David's, <laughs> David's men. So, verse 15, and I want you to watch what uh, Abigail does. Okay, verse 15, yet the men were very good to us and we were not insulted nor did we miss anything as long as we went about with them while we were in the fields. Verse 16, they were a wall to us both by night and by day. See, David and his men protected them. Nabal's uh, men. Yeah. He protected them. Um, verse 16 again, they were a wall to us both by night and by day all the time we were with them tending the sheep verse 17. Now therefore know and consider what you should do for evil is plotted against our master and against all his household. (laughs) He was saying David and his men getting ready to come and all his, his, uh, wait, Verse 17 again. Now, therefore, know and consider what you should do for evil is plotted against our master and against all his household. And he is such a worthless man that no one can speak, speak to him. So what he's saying is he's such an evil and mean master. We can't even go to him and tell him that David is coming with his army to overtake them. He couldn't even. That's how bad their master was they, they, he was so evil and conceited and arrogant. You couldn't even go to him and say, look, we are getting ready to be attacked. Okay. By the mighty King David, because everyone knew about David's ability because he, he defeated Goliath. Everyone knew about that. Uh, verse 18, then Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves of bread and two jugs of wine and five sheep already prepared and five measures of roasted grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys. Abigail said, no, I'm getting ready to bring them some food. You hear me? (laughs) I'm getting ready to head them off and stop them. Uh, Verse 19, she said to her young men, go on before me. Behold, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband the ball. Verse 20, it came about as she was riding on her donkey and coming down by the hidden part of the mountain that behold, David and his men were coming down toward her. So she met them. Verse 21, now David had said, surely in vain, I have guarded all that this man has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed, meaning they hadn't taken anything. Of all that belong to him, and he has returned me evil for good. So David is kind of upset right now. Verse 22, may God do so to the enemies of David. And more also, if by morning I leave as much as one male of any who belong to him. So what David just told her is that he getting ready to kill everybody in the camp. (laughs) He was getting, David was, baby David was upset. He had opportunity and reason and cause to kill Saul. And this man did him one thing, refused food. And David was about to go kill that man whole town. So verse 23, when Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her, her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. Verse 24, she fell at his feet and said on me alone. My Lord, she knew David was someone in authority. My Lord with a lowercase L be the blame. She said on me alone, be the blame. She wanted to take the blame for her husband's behavior and please let your maid servant speak to speak to you and listen to the words of your maid servant. She's asking David to please hear me out. You know, hear her out. Verse 25, please do not let my Lord Pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal. She knew her husband was worthless. For as his name is, so is he. His name means fool. So she's saying, look, he represents his name. That's who he is. Uh, Nabal is his name and Foley is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. What she's saying is she didn't see the men that David sent because had she seen them, she would have given them these things that she's bringing with her now. That's what she's saying. Verse 26, now therefore my Lord, as the Lord lives, now she's talking about the God of Israel, the God who created the heavens and the earth and the water and the the air that we breathe in. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal. She was still referring to uh, David as, as her Lord, um, as someone in authority. Um, verse 27, now let this gift which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord to David and his, his men, his army. Okay, verse 28, please forgive the transgression of your maidservant for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil will not be found in you all your days. Now here, this is very important. What Abigail was saying to David is remember your heart. Remember, you are not evil like Nabal. And in other words, remember you not evil like the men who are pursuing you. Re- remember this, David. See, David was getting ready to act on um, his emotions and, and go and just kill that whole town. And the whole town didn't deserve that. They know Nabal was crazy. So did his wife. So it sometimes it takes uh, a sister or a brother in Christ today to tell you that what you are getting ready to do is not in the will of the Lord. Sometimes it takes that for you to not do it. Uh, Verse 29, should anyone rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies, he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. She's telling him, you don't have to do it, David, because God is going to do it he is going to avenge you or avenge your enemies. That's what she's, she's telling David. Now, um, like I just said, sometimes it takes another sister or brother to say, Hey, I know you're upset, but don't act on your emotions. Remember, don't give the devil a foothold. Okay. Verse 30. And when the Lord does for my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and appoints you ruler over Israel, even Abigail knew that David was going to be the ruler over Israel the king of Israel. Okay, verse 31. This will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord, both by having shed blood without cause. Cuz that really wasn't no cause to for David to go in and kill Nabal and everything in it, everything in the land including Abigail, cuz she was a part of the land, she was his wife. So David, I understand his frustration. You have to remember he w- he had been running from Saul, even though he could have ended that chase uh, for quite some time now. So Abigail came to him with words of reason and words of wisdom. Okay. So let me read 31 again. It bears reading again. This will not cause grief or a troubled heart to my Lord, because she knew had David done that, it would have troubled him for a long time in his heart both by having shed blood without a cause uh, and, and by my Lord having avenged himself and not letting God avenge him, avenge him. I'm sorry. Uh, When the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your maid servant. So what she's saying is when you are king and in the castle, okay, just remember me, remember what I did for you. Um, Verse 32. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. You see, David had a change of heart. Verse 33, and blessed be your discernment, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. Let God take care of your enemies here. Don't you do it. You hear Because David really was pursuing this man without a cause. The man owned the stuff. He didn't have to share it. It was evil for him not to. But that still wasn't a reason for David to kill him. Okay, because that's basically what Abigail was telling David. Verse 34. Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from harming you. Because remember I told you he was going to kill her too. He was going to kill everybody in the land. Unless you had come quickly to meet me, surely there would not have been left to Nab- Nabal until the morning light as much as one male. He was going to kill all the males in Nabal here. Verse 35. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, go up to your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. So David didn't pursue and go kill Nabal and all his, his male servants here. Verse 36. Then Abigail came to Nabal and behold, he was holding a feast in his house. I mean, he was living it up like the feast of a king and Nabal's heart was merry within him for he was very drunk. So she did not tell him anything at all until the morning light. She waited until the next day when he was sober to tell him what she did to save him. Okay. Verse 37. But in the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things and his heart died within him so that he became as a stone. He was very upset. At what he just heard now intoxicated Nabal apparently suffered a stroke and became paralyzed until he died. That's basically what happened to him. Verse 38, about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Mm-hmm. He died from that stroke. Yes, he did. Now, when it said he became a stone, he went into a coma. Yeah, he went into a coma that day the next morning. And then what happened was the God didn't just strike him. What God did was allow him to die because he was an evil man. Anyway, he was very evil. You have to watch the wording. That's why you have to have a teacher to give you line upon line and precept upon precept and explain to you what these scriptures mean because a false teacher will come along and have you thinking God running around striking people. If that's the case, there will be nobody left on earth today. <laughs> nobody. Um, verse 39, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach, meaning God, um, has revenged, uh, David's anger. Okay. From the hand of Nabal and has kept back his servant from evil. God prevented David from killing Nabal. God took care of him. He let Nabal die. Mm hmm. The Lord has also returned the evil doing of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent a a proposal to Abigail. Yes, to take her as his wife. That's what David did. Verse 40, when the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David has sent us to you to take you as his wife. Verse 41, she arose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, behold, Your maidservant is a maid to wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Verse 42, then Abigail quickly arose and rode on a donkey with her five maidens who attended her. They took care of her and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife, David's wife. Verse 43, David had also taken Ahinoam of Jezreel and they both became his, his wives. Now throughout the old Testament, you have to remember when these men took uh, several wives, you will never hear one word from God saying, go take many wives. That's not in God, but he never said anything when they did it. Now we don't do it today. We have laws in place. You know, it's called bigamy. (laughs) We have laws in place. It's not done today, but back then God never said, go get several wives. You will never hear that. So if someone says that to you, they are a liar. Okay. But he never stopped it. Okay. He never stopped it. Now, uh, uh, Abigail really was David's third wife. Remember John and Michael. Remember David, uh, his first wife was Saul's daughter, Michael. Uh huh. And then when, when Saul started pursuing David and David was on the run, Saul gave his daughter Michael to another man. So David married Jezreel as well, making her his, his actual third wife. Um, verse 44. Now Saul had given Michael his daughter, David's wife. I just told you guys that, um, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was from Gileam. Okay. Now these, y'all know these Hebrew words are are challenging. Now we are getting ready to, um, read chapter 26. All right. We almost there folks. We are almost there. Verse one. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah saying, is not David hiding on the hill of Hatchelah? Now didn't, um, Saul, have a conversation with David in the cave when David uh, could have killed him, when David's men could have killed him, really could have killed him and all his men because they weren't watching out for Saul. They didn't even go in there to explore the cave to see if anyone was in there that could have killed Saul. So listen to this. Now y'all remember the conversation. Saul admitted that he was wrong and he was wicked and David wasn't wicked like him. And you know, he wasn't going to pursue David. Listen now, that was the implication during the conversation that he wasn't going to pursue David, um, verse one again, then the, uh, Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah saying, is not David hiding on the hill of Hitchela, which is before Jeshimon verse two. So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having with him 3000 chosen men of Israel to search for David in the wilderness of Ziph. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? That's why David kept running. He knew Saul didn't mean nothing. He said Saul was a liar, a natural born liar. Verse three, Saul camped in the hill of Hitchala, which is before Jeshimon beside the road. And David was staying in the wilderness when he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness because David saw it. You know, Saul didn't know that's what David and his men were. Uh, verse four, David sent out spies and he knew that Saul was definitely coming. Verse five, David then arose and came to the place where Saul had camped and David saw the place where Saul lay and Abner, who is David not David, Saul's cousin, the son of Ner, uh, the commander of his army. That's who Abner were. And Saul was lying in the circle of the camp and the people were camped around him. All of them were asleep in a deep sleep. So this is the second opportunity that David had to kill Saul. Now listen, verse six. Then David said to Ahimelech, not the priest that was killed, okay, by the order of Saul. This is someone else. The Hittite and to Abishai, the son of Zeruah, Joab's brother, saying, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. Now, this is the only time uh, 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 Ahimelech the Hittite is mentioned. It's the only time he's mentioned here. Now, he was one of the many mercenaries who formed a part of David's army. Now, Abishai, the son of Zeruah and Joab's brother, He joined with Elimelech in going down with David into the camp of Saul. They joined King David. Mm -hmm. Now let's read um, verse seven. So David and Abishai came to the people by night and behold, Saul lay sleeping inside the circle of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground at his head and Abner and the people were lying around him. Verse eight. Then Abishai said to David, today, God has delivered your enemy into your hand. Now this is the third time, right? That David could have killed Saul. Now, therefore, please let me strike him with the spear. They even telling David, you don't have to do it. We'll do it. But David wouldn't let them. Um, The latter part of verse eight again, please let me strike him with the spear to the ground with one stroke and I will not strike him the second time. What this, (laughs) what Abishai was saying, look, I'll hit him once and he'll be dead. I won't even have to hit him twice. Um, Verse nine, but David said to Abishai, do not destroy him for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be without guilt. Now this scripture alone, without the story attached is quoted a lot amongst people in church, but do you know the story behind it? See, that's why it's important to read the whole chapters, to read the whole books now, that's David saying that. That's not God. David is not aware that God removed his anointing from um, Saul. David wasn't even aware and still isn't aware until people were saying it to him that Saul was trying to kill him because God chose David to succeed him as king of Israel. David was very naive, but you have to remember he was also young, very young. He knew Saul was king. He didn't know the circumstances surrounding him being removed and he just didn't want to kill him, even though Saul was trying to kill him. Okay. And David is saying, look, who in their right mind would kill and stretch out their hands against God's anointed and don't have a guilty heart about it. That's what he he just said in verse nine. Now let's read verse 10. David also said, as the Lord lives, surely the Lord will strike him or his day will come that he dies, or he will go down into battle and perish. So David is saying right here in verse 10, I just don't want to be the one to kill him. I know if he continues in this behavior, sooner or later, he's going to die. Did you hear the latter part of verse 10? Or he will go down into battle and perish. Yeah, David just don't want to be the one to kill him. Verse 11. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but now please take the spear that is at his head and the jug of water and let us go. And David took that as souvenirs. So when he approached Saul again to show him that he had another opportunity to kill him. Yeah, that's why he, he asked his, 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 uh, army to take it so that when he sees Saul again, he's going to say, see, I had another opportunity to do it and I didn't do it. Verse 12, so David took the spear and the jug of water from beside Saul's head. They were knocked out, didn't even hear David and his men talking. And the jug of water from beside Saul's head, and they went away, but no one saw or knew it, nor did anyone awake, for they were all asleep, because a sound sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Now, uh, the Lord gave David this opportunity. Why Why do you think the Lord sent a sound sleep on them? The Lord didn't have a problem with with David taking Saul's life. But he was leaving it up to David. We read that scripture. It was up to David to do what he wanted. Now, like the corner of Saul's robe, now these were taken as as and I talked about this as uh the jug of water and the spear was taken as proof that David had Saul's life in his hand. And as with Adam in, in Genesis chapter two, verse 21, and Abraham in Genesis 15, 12, the Lord caused Saul to be unaware of what was taking place around him. The Lord caused that and given David another opportunity to end that pursuit to take his life, but David chose not to. Okay, now um, let me read verse 11 again. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand. This is David talking against the Lord's anointed. But now please take the spear that is at his head and the jug of water and let us go. Verse 12. So David took the spear and the jug of water from beside Saul's head and they went away, but no one saw or knew it, nor did any, uh, nor did any awake for they were all asleep because a sound sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Verse 13, then David crossed over to the other side and stood on top of the mountain at a distance with a large area between them. Verse 14, David called to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner saying, will you not answer Abner? Will you not answer? Then Abner replied, who are you who calls to the king? Verse 15. So David said to Abner, are you not a man and who is like you in Israel? why then have you not guarded your Lord, the King David is fussing at Saul's so-called bodyguards about not protecting Saul and not, you know, it's, it appeared that he's fussing, but what David is saying is you are worthless. Yeah, you, you, you are worthless. So David said to Abner, are you not a man and who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not guarded your Lord, the King for one of the people came to destroy the King, your Lord. Verse 16, this thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, all of you must surely die because you did not guard your Lord, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was at his head. See, that's why he took those things. Verse 17, then Saul recognized David's voice and said, is this your voice, my son, David? Saul was very delusional, suffered from mental illness, which is clear. And, uh, the latter part of 17 and David said, it is my voice, my Lord, the King verse 18. He also said, why then is my Lord pursuing his servant for what have I done or what, or what evil is in my hand? David is still asking Saul, why is he still chasing him to kill him? Verse 19. Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the King, listen to the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is men, cursed are they before the Lord, for they have driven me out today so that I have had no attachment with the inheritance of the Lord saying, go serve other gods. So what David is saying here, if he did something to offend the Lord, poor David just didn't know why Saul was trying to kill him you know, let him offer a sacrifice, you know, let him offer an offering to the Lord. So David set forth two possibilities for, for why Saul was pursuing him. First, David had sinned against the Lord. That's what David was asking. If that was the case, he was willing to offer a sacrifice for atonement. Second, evil men had caused Saul's hostility toward David. Remember, we read a few scriptures over where David thought that, you know, when he talked to Saul, you know, why are you believing what these men are telling you? So what David is saying, if that were the case, these men should be judged. Now, when he said an inheritance of the Lord, you know, the land of Israel, you can cross reference in second Samuel two nineteen. We haven't gotten there yet, but we will. That's going to be another series. Um, and chapter 21, verse three. Now, when David said, serve other gods, what David's exile from the land was virtually equivalent to forcing him to abandon the worship of the Lord. For there were no sanctuaries to the Lord outside of Israel's territory, but he was not worshiping other gods. He was still talking to the true and living God. Now, back then God was in sanctuaries today. He's not, he's in us. He's available. If you are in your house, he's in the house with you. You don't have to go to a sanctuary to be with God. If you are a Christian, God is in you. He's with you. You can talk to God in the tub, in the shower. You can talk to God on the toilet. Yes. You can talk to God sitting in your living room. You can talk to God sitting in your car, riding to work, going to the shopping center. God is everywhere today. See, that's the benefit we have today over the old Testament, uh, people of God. Yeah. We have a, a better covenant. We are under a better covenant. If you want to read about us having a better covenant and how that was established, you can go through my podcast and look, uh, for an episode entitled, um, the letter to the Hebrews. Okay. detailed. I, I read the entire letter that the unknown writer, because we don't know which apostle wrote it, wrote to the Hebrews explaining in detail why the Levitical priesthood was done away with and explaining why we have a better covenant, okay, than the children of Israel did with God. Now, where are we going to pick up? Let me do 20 again. Now then, do not let my blood fall to the ground away from the presence of the Lord. Um, yeah, this is my first time reading uh, verse 20. Okay, so let's do that again, because sometimes I can go off, you know, on a commentary, honey, and just start talking about this stuff. (laughs) Uh, Verse 20, now then, do not let my blood fall to the ground away from the presence of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to search for a single flea, just as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. And here again, David is telling him that uh, the flea represents something that was worthless. And the partridge, something that was impossible to catch. Saul was wasting his time with with his pursuit of David. That's what David is telling him so he couldn't quite grasp. David don't know that Saul is a narcissist. He doesn't know that he's a sociopath. He doesn't know that Saul doesn't have feelings. He doesn't know that that Saul is not afraid of God like he is. Because the beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. Yeah. So Saul is ignorant and he is self-serving and he is a narcissist. He can't acknowledge that he has been defeated and rejected by God. Mm-mm, he can't, and he can care less if God kill him. His mission is to kill David, but that'll never happen. Never happened. Verse 21. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Here he go again. I have sinned return my son, David, for I will not harm you again because my life was precious in your sight this day. Behold, I have played the fool and, and have committed a serious error. Verse 22, David replied, behold the spear of the King. Now let one of, of the young men come over and take it. Verse 23, the Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faithfulness for the Lord delivered you into my hand today. That's again, but I refuse to stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And this is David talking, not God here. Verse 24. Now behold, as your life was highly valued in my sight this day, so may, may life be highly valued in the sight of the Lord. And may he deliver me from all distress. Cause I know that this was stressful on David. Okay. Now, <laughs> uh, this is, let me tell you, I don't know about y'all, but I'm getting tired just reading about Saul's pursuit to kill David. Okay. Verse 25. Then Saul said to David, blessed are you, my son, David, you will both accomplish much and surely prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. He returned to his place again Okay. Now remember what, what Saul said, verse 25. Then Saul said to David, "Blessed are you, my son, David, you will both accomplish much and surely prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. Now, doesn't this make you think that Saul was suffering from some type of uh, mental illness because he recognized the certain success of David's future as Israel's king. He recognizes that. So why is he trying to kill him? And he knows it's to no avail. He knew it would be to no avail. Now let's, let's close, uh, episode six out reading chapter 27 and verse one. Then David said to himself, now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. <laughs> now David made that comment to himself, but that is not going to come, um, to pass, but I know he's tired. That's why he is stressed, you know, constantly running from someone he could kill. But because his heart wouldn't let him kill Saul, he just continued to run. Um, the latter part of verse one, there is nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines are the enemies of Israel. And so he knew Saul wasn't going to just come over there. He knew what Saul had just said to him was meaningless and worthless. So he decided to go into the land of the Philistine. Saul then will despair. Of searching for me any more in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. If he go into a foreign land, enemies of Israel. Uh, verse 2 So David arose and crossed over, he and the 600 men who were with him, to Akish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. Mm, my God. Verse 3 And David lived with Akish at Gath he and his men, each with his household, even David with his two wives, um, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. Uh, Verse four, now it was told Saul that David had had fled to Gath, so he no longer searched for him. So Saul Saul wasn't going over there after David, (laughs) because it was only when David was with them, they were able to defeat the Philistines. Why you think they let David on over there? Yeah. 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 Verse five. Then David said to Akish, if now I have found favor in your sight, let them give me a place in, in one of the cities in the country that I may live there for why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So David is asking for his own city. Yes. Verse six. So Akish gave him Ziklag. Yes. That day a kish gave David Ziklag. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Cause all the Kings after uh, David came from his lineage. Okay. In Judah. That's why Jesus, the final King came out of Judah, the line of Judah. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. verse seven, the number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Verse eight. Now David and his men went up and raided the the Gishorites and the Gerzites and the uh, uh, Amalekites. Y'all know these, (laughs) the, oh my God, pronouncing Hebrew words. I tell you, for they were the inhabitants of the land from ancient times, meaning they have been there. So David literally went there and stole the land as you come to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Now. Um, Gersherites and, and, and Gerzites and Amalekites, these people lived in Southern Canaan and Northern Sinai, okay? Sure. And Egypt. Now y'all do know who Canaan is, huh? Canaan is the son of Ham, who was the son of Noah, the land of Canaan, a full of black people. So that's what David, what David went and just took their land. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, verse nine, David attacked the land and did not leave a man or a woman alive. And he took away the sheep, the cattle, and the donkeys, the camels, and the clothing. Then he returned and came to Achish. David was a mighty warrior. So anyone who fought him was going to lose. And plus the Canaanites did not wor- worship the true and living God. They worshipped idol gods you know, pagan gods. So God wasn't with them. He wasn't on their side. So anyone David went up against, he was going to win as simple as that. Uh, Verse 10. Now, Akish said, where have you made a raid today? And David said against the Negev of Judah and against the Negev of the Jeromalites and against the Negev of the Kenites. Verse 11. David did not leave a man or a woman alive to bring to Gath saying, Otherwise they will tell about us saying, so has David done. And so has, has been his practice all the time. He has lived in the country of the Philistines. Verse 12. So Akish believed David saying he has surely made himself odious, meaning extremely unpleasant among his people, Israel. Therefore he will become my servant forever. Now that was the end of chapter seven. Saints, Um, We will conclude this series on next Saturday and then take a break before we go into a second series of Second Samuel. Now, during the break, I will allow my brother in Christ, um, Fred Price Jr., to give you a lesson on tithing under grace. You will be shocked as you follow him through scripture after scripture and tithing is not what you think. We have been hoodwinked. Now I know the scriptures. I studied the scriptures, but because people have been programmed to believe everything that comes from the pulpit, it's going to be hard for them to accept these scriptures. All I ask of you when you hear this series is only a three episode series. You, I just ask that you don't go blow the church up because you have been hoodwinked. Now, I guess you are wondering why some churches have stopped using the word tithing <laughs> because the truth has been revealed. I know the truth. I've been knowing the truth a long time, but it's very difficult for you to present different teachings, which really isn't this teaching been in the Bible for over two thousand years. Um, I think it's safe to say 10,000 years and it has not changed. So who changed it? But I will let you guys wait for that series. So until next Saturday, remember, we are still in the midst of a pandemic. If you have to go out, please wear your mask so that you can protect others. If everyone wear a mask, we can flatten the curve. Everyone will be safe. Um, Keep your distance between you and others in public at six to eight feet apart. And I also want to uh, clarify something because someone sent me an email when I mentioned that me being a woman of faith, uh, a minister of the gospel, uh, a minister of the God of Israel, um, I don't go out. I didn't mean I don't go out. What I meant to say is that I don't go out unless I have to. Like I had to leave out today because this pandemic is real. I've seen the deaths. Yeah, I've seen it. I have seen the deaths. So with that said, Saints, I want you to stay safe, keep your family safe. And until next Saturday, peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public and submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. Now, God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now, until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.